Thanks for listening to the GOSH podcast. GOSH stands for the Gynecologic Oncology Sharing Hub, an open space for real and evidence-based discussions on gynecologic cancers. We'll share the stories of gyne cancer patients and survivors and hear from researchers and clinicians who are working behind the scenes to improve the lives of people with gynecologic cancers. Our podcast is produced and recorded on the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. It is produced by the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative, a province-wide initiative in British Columbia with the mission to accelerate transformative research and translational practice on the prevention, detection, treatment, and survivorship of gynecologic cancers. Hi, I'm Nicole Kay. And I'm Stephanie Lamb. And you're listening to the GOSH Podcast. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the GOSH podcast. Today, we're very excited to be joined by Stephanie and Starla, both from Ovarian Cancer Canada. Um, Today, we're um, completing the three-part series um, collaboration that we're doing with OCC. And today, we're going to be talking about patient-related initiatives and resources for patients that um, have been founded and um, sustained by Ovarian Cancer Canada. So just to introduce our guest today, Stephanie is the Program Director at Ovarian Cancer Canada. She has a passion for building community and supporting those who are diagnosed with ovarian cancer, ensuring that no one is alone on this journey. Stephanie is committed to making sure that everyone in the ovarian cancer community has access to the most up-to-date and accurate information through a wide variety of education and support programs. She is proud to call Shellbrook, uh, Saskatchewan her home, where she lived on a farm with her husband and three kids. In her spare time, you'll find her running the trails of northern um, Saskatchewan. We're also joined by Starla today. So Starla was diagnosed with a rare form of ovarian cancer at age 23. Since being diagnosed, Starla has faced multiple recurrence and rounds of treatment. She is a strong advocate for ovarian cancer awareness by making connections through social media engagements, speaking events, and also doing media interviews. She's from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where she shares her life and makes memories with her five-year-old son. Okay, well, welcome both of you to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Okay, great. So, well, let's just jump right into it. Um, so, Stephanie, why don't you start off and... Um, just by sharing a little bit about kind of how you became interested in Ovarian Cancer Canada and how you've um, become involved with this organization. Okay, um, so in all honesty, I I didn't know a whole lot about ovarian cancer before I started working here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was about nine years ago. So I've been with OCC just past nine years. Um, one of my uh, best friend's moms, had died of ovarian cancer. And really that was the only connection that I'd had Mm -hmm. with the disease. Um, I was at a place in my life where my kids were all back to school and I was looking for a career change where really I could give back and do something a little bit more meaningful. Um, And with Ovarian Cancer Canada, this opportunity came up and I took it and I will say I got that and so much more. It's just been such a fulfilling place for me to work. Um, I get to work with amazing and strong women like Starla every day. That's amazing. Yeah, I think sometimes we find ourselves in um, new places unexpectedly. Um, Would you be able to share a little bit more about your role as National Programs Director at OCC? 
Yeah, I thought about this question and it's really hard to sum up in in one mm-hmm. sentence kind of what that does. But I think I think overall, um, providing education and support to women and their families that are affected by ovarian cancer. Mm. But I think one of the most important parts of that is creating a community. Um, as with any cancer diagnosis, it's it's really overwhelming. Um, I think in particular with ovarian cancer, it's it's still a relatively rare disease um, and only 1.4% of the general population will get it. So you may be diagnosed with it and not know anyone else who's ever had it and feel very alone. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the important things we do is to create safe spaces for women and their family members and caregivers to connect. So offering them opportunities to meet other people with the same diagnosis and learn from one another um, and really just being able to support one another. Uh, Mm -hmm. We know that there is a lot of information out there and uh, lots of people head right to, to Dr. Google. And we at Ovarian Cancer Canada really pride ourselves on being the place for people to go to find the most up-to-date and accurate information in order to help them make the best decisions about their care and their treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important. I think um, you mentioning kind of community and um, having connections and just kind of reaching out to folks who have gone through similar things has definitely been a theme that we've kind of um, heard a lot of from all of the patient guests that we've interviewed on this podcast. And um, yeah, community is really important when going through something um, like an, like an ovarian cancer diagnosis. I don't live with ovarian cancer. I don't have lived experience and I can provide excellent support, but I, I think there's nothing quite the same as being able to speak with someone who's been on the same journey with you and understands exactly what you're going through. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Ovarian Cancer Canada has done a great job of um, kind of providing those platforms and uh, all across Canada. Um, and, you know, I've always spoken with patients here in BC who have reached out through OCC and has found so much value in doing so. So uh, I think it's such an important platform for women going through this diagnosis. Um, uh, Starla, I think um, turning to yourself, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about yourself and your cancer journey and how you became connected to Ovarian Cancer Canada. Sure. Um So I was diagnosed with a rare form of ovarian cancer when I was 23. And at the time of my diagnosis, I was probably the healthiest that I've ever been in in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I was um, exercising every day, um, participating in yoga, like I was just eating clean and everything. So to have this diagnosis um, at that age, it was really um, surprising to me. And it really kind of shocked my family as well. Mm -hmm. Um, For me... The only symptom that I had of um, the ovarian cancer at that time was that I hadn't had a period in over a year. Mm-hmm. And um, just with each month and not having my period, as like time went by, I realized that there was probably something wrong. And uh, sure enough, they ended up finding a cyst on my ovary and that ended up becoming um, cancer. Mm-hmm. I've, um, I'm currently on my fifth reoccurrence. Um, my type of cancer, it will never go away. It's going to continue to come back until um, 
I guess, until it just gets more and more aggressive. And um, yeah. Uh, um, what else can I tell you? Yeah, so I got involved with Ovarian Cancer Canada because I really thought it was important to share my story. A lot of people don't realize that ovarian cancer can happen to uh, young people as well. And mm-hmm. often when I tell people that I have ovarian cancer, like the response I get is that, oh, their aunt had it or their grandma had it. And so mm-hmm. I just really wanted to um, get my story out there just to let people know that, you know, it is a disease that it doesn't discriminate mm-hmm. on age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Starla. I think, um, you know, you're, you're, you're really right. And I think that having these patient stories and getting the message out there and the advocacy work that um, you've been able to do through OCC um, is incredibly important. And um, it just kind of allows folks to have conversations about um, this disease. So um, thank you so much for sharing your story and for the work that you've been doing with OCC. I'm very curious if you can also share a little bit more about kind of what sort of work um, and advocacy you've been able to do with Ovarian Cancer Canada since being involved. Um, I have been on the Walk of Hope Committee for a number of years. I'm a volunteer mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, I've really took to social media to share my story and to raise awareness about ovarian cancer. Um, I talk about the symptoms and um, things like come along with me for a CT scan. So things like that, I just mm-hmm. like to do just to kind of, uh, I guess, educate and uh, teach people that way. Mm-hmm. I've been a part of quite a few um, symposiums where I've been able to share my story as well. And I've really enjoyed uh, doing that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Stephanie and I actually uh, did survivors teaching students where we talked to uh, second year med students just to be Mm. able to kind of put a face to the disease and talk about the symptoms and and things like that. So I really enjoyed doing that one. Mm, That's great. I I love kind of the focus on kind of early education um, of medical students. I think um, oftentimes we see these sorts of programs for kind of uh, postgraduate medical medical students, you know, even continuing medical education after people are now practicing. But it's really nice to kind of hear um, the advocacy work and um, you've been doing kind of early on and just kind of raising awareness of this disease with uh, young learners um, so that they can be aware of it as well. Yeah, I think that one of the quotes that I like to use when I am sharing my story in that way is that um, ovarian cancer doesn't have a face until you know somebody, right? So I like to put my face to the disease. And so I think that that helps as well. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I'm very curious also about kind of the work that you've been doing on social media. I think, you know, we've over the last couple of years, you know, so many different platforms have been just kind of booming and um, it's been such a such a great way to share messages and everything. How have you kind of how have you navigated sharing your story on social media? Have what sort of reception have you um, been able to receive by using those sorts of platforms? Yeah. So in two thousand and sixteen is when I had my first uh, really big reoccurrence, and so 
at that time, uh, Instagram was the platform that was mm -hmm. the most popular. So I really started, um, I literally started from the day one of my uh, date that I had the reoccurrence. And mm -hmm. then I, I, I would post just about every day kind of what I was going through and like waiting for the CT scan, uh, booking mm -hmm. the scan, uh, what mm -hmm. the scan was like. And so um, I used that platform for quite a while. And I connected with a lot of um, women with ovarian cancer that were um, on the same journey as myself and people that were uh, newly diagnosed, as well as um, people that had already finished treatment and were kind of rallying and cheering uh, us on that way. Mm. Um, from this recently, though, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, everybody was talking about TikTok and I thought I was too old for the app. And mm. then I finally got on there and started scrolling <laughs> and I thought, you know, this could be a way for me to share my story and um as well like get the get the um side effects or not side effects sorry like the symptoms and all of that out there and so i remember one of the first videos that i posted that kind of um uh really got a lot of views was myself discussing the um my symptoms that i was currently experiencing and that video it really just skyrocketed like overnight like the views just kept climbing and so that was my, that was my sign that I needed to continue to, to do these types of videos and to um, advocate and share my story and share what life is like with a five-year-old as a single parent and mm. trying to like navigate, like, how do you tell your five-year-old that his mom is not coming home? Mm. Things yeah. like that, that are true and they're very real and that a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, patients are are dealing with that and trying to navigate that as well. And so that's really kind of where that TikTok had started. And I just wanted so badly to, um, like when I was first diagnosed, I didn't see my face in anybody. Like mm -hmm. I wanted somebody that was my age that knew mm -hmm. what I was going through. And at the cancer center, everybody was significantly older than me. Mm -hmm. And I've never felt more alone trying to mm -hmm. navigate this disease as I did then. So um, if somebody can see me in my mid thirties and realize that, you know, she is going through this and she's, she's currently doing it. And maybe that would be um, inspiration or even motivation for someone to keep fighting. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I think it's Stephanie. I was just going to, yeah, I was just going to jump in and say that we talked a little bit about building community before and Starla has been instrumental in being building community among the young survivors. And, and she's just such an inspiration. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say, I think go, it really goes back down to that community building and, um, finding connection among folks who are going through a similar story and journey. So it's mm -hmm. amazing to hear, um, you know, you branching out to different platforms and, you know, reaching even potentially a younger audience who would really benefit from hearing these, um, the messages and the advocacy that you're doing and, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love the work that um, you've been doing. And it would be great. Um, we'll definitely um, share the links um, to your social media if that's okay sure. with you um, yeah, in our in our show notes and everything. So folks can kind of um, reach out and uh, be part of that community, that online community that you're building. Um, right. You know, it really kind of, what, what do you speak about really kind of points us to um, exploring more about the different programs that are, ongoing at OCC. So 
maybe Stephanie, I'll start with you first um, to kind of hear from your perspective. Um, if you can sh share a little bit about the different um, programs that are um, that OCC has been supporting and running over the the few years, the many years that um, these programs have been running. Yeah, for sure, Stephanie. Um, so I think one thing too that we try to do is we try to offer, uh, we know that people learn in different ways and people connect in different ways. So we try to offer a variety of different support platforms for people. Um, so I'll just talk about a few, tell you about a couple of those here. So one way is, I don't know if teal is the color for ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. So on a monthly basis, we host a teal tea. It's a virtual online gathering. It is not professionally facilitated. It's peer led and women from across the country can join on just really it's a safe space to connect, to share their story, to ask advice and to provide support for other people. So we also do that for young women. So we have a young women's TLT as well. As mm -hmm. Starla mentioned, I mean, you're facing different challenges and going through different things as a young woman with this disease. Mm -hmm. So really giving those women uh, a space as well to share and to connect. We also just recently um, started a professionally facilitated support group. So we have that once a month as well, um, where we once a month you can drop in and it's a professionally led group. We also have a group that's a six week long group. There's a different topic that's uh, explored every week. So again, that's professionally led if you're looking for something like that. If you want more one-on-one -on -one support, we also have a peer-to-peer -peer support program. So we have um, volunteers who are trained. They uh, have lived experience with ovarian cancer and they volunteer to be supports to women who are newly diagnosed or facing recurrence or just finding that they need to talk to somebody one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Um, another unique platform that we have, again, it's it's called Of Dialogue. And it is an online platform. So basically, it's a discussion board that you can go on regardless of where you live in Canada. And no matter what time of day it is, you can go on and you can ask questions and you can look for advice. You can provide support to other people who are on there as well. Mm -hmm. So we really do try to hit a number of different ways that people can find the best support that they need. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think it's... um. It, it really kind of caters to the full, the fulsome, um, wide variety and diversity of patients who might need different things in different times of their journey. Um, so it's amazing that they're able to kind of access all of these different things. And can you just remind folks, is this, um, these resources are accessible to patients across Canada? Yep. Every, I think that's one of the silver linings of COVID is a lot of our programming went virtual and went online. Mm, yeah. um, so anywhere across Canada can access these. Uh, more information at our website is ovariancanada.org. Um, so all of the information is there and you can register and sign up. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. And we'll definitely put that, that website link in our show notes um, so listeners can access that as well. Um, Starla, I'm curious from your your perspective as a patient and as a patient partner working with OCC, what sort of impact have um, you kind of experienced with these sorts of programs? I have such a sense of, um, I guess, I don't know if um, accomplishment would be the word, but 
it's always been my goal to advocate, but being able to be a part of the partner, sorry, patient partner in research, it's important to me because I know that I'll never see like a screening tool for ovarian cancer, for example, but by sitting on, like by doing, uh, sorry, patient partner in research, it, it um, helps me feel like maybe I'm, I'm helping with that, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we provide insight and advice from a patient's perspective, which I think is very important. Um, and then we also engage in research projects and then serve on review panels and um, getting to know the other women on the, the team as well is, has been really nice. That's amazing. Yeah. And our previous episode um, of this series kind of speaks a little bit more about this particular program and how important it is from a research perspective to kind of get the patient insights and uh, into the research process as well. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. Um, Okay, just to wrap up the podcast now, I just had one kind of last question. And um, this is, uh, we try to ask this to all of our guests. And um, it's just an invitation to ask the both of you um, if you had one message that you could share with an ovarian cancer patient or an ovarian cancer survivor, what would that message be? And maybe Stephanie, I'll start with you first and then we can go to Starla. Sure. I, I think I think the one message that we've kind of talked about a lot throughout this podcast is you're not alone. And there's a, a great big community of, of people here who are willing to support you and help provide you with the best and the most up-to-date information and a whole bunch of different resources. And you're not alone and that there's an organization out here who who's here for you. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you. Starla, um, I'll turn to you now. Yeah, I think that um, the one thing I always say is that I would like people to know that the uh, pap smear does not detect ovarian cancer. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's one of the most, um, the most uh, miss, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's a big sorry. myth yeah it's um, yes, a lot yeah. of people think that like a lot of people yeah. feel that you know they have their pap smear and like my friends included like when we're talking about it ovarian cancer they say well I had my pap screen but yeah. no like your pap screen is not testing for ovarian cancer and so that's one of the things that I, I would really like others to know but yeah. if I was talking to um, somebody that was newly diagnosed or somebody that was going through this right now Um, I would tell them that, you know, it is going to be hard Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to fight, but the fight is going to be worth it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Those, both of those messages, I think they're both really important and um, such an important message to, um, you know, the general public, but also to patients that are going through this disease right now. Um, okay, well, thank you both so much for um, coming on to the GOSH podcast and for sharing the work that you both do and for um, sharing your story. Um, the resources that were mentioned in today's episode will be put, put into the show notes so folks can um, access that and reach out to Ovarian Cancer Canada to access these different types of resources as well as the wealth of information that's provided by this organization and Again, thank you both so much for joining us today. And um, thank you for the work that you both do um, for Ovarian Cancer Canada and for patients that are going through this. 
Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for having us. Thanks for joining us on the GOSH podcast. To learn more about the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative and our podcast, make sure to check out our website at gynecancerinitiative.ca.